0: Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. We're on season three, episode 19, Justice. This is so
1: interesting because I think I've always done the like, welcome to SVU Pod season three, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing it lately.
0: I've literally done it twice out oh. of the last like 40 times. I think that counts as lately. Oh, okay. Does it bother you? I don't have oh, to Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. I had, a, I had a hard night. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> No, no no it doesn't bother me at all i was just like oh, okay interesting that you're that you were i mean like if you to... want to
0: do it you can do it i mean i don't know oh, do oh, oh my god oh my god i totally
1: don't care i totally don't care and it's fine it's like totally fine
0: i mean it's like kind of my thing but it's you know whatever i mean whatever like whatever I'll, I'll just call my mom afterwards <laughs> <laughs> okay also i'm um to all right welcome to spu pods <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are in season three episode 19 justice <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry
0: no that's it go ahead yeah Bong. all right
1: all right. So two dudes are carrying a couch down a flight of stairs mm-hmm. and they're like talking back and forth about some sort of pyramid Lululemon type scheme. I'm going to pause you
0: right there right away. It's Lululemon, but keep going.
1: What's Lululemon? Is that a thing?
0: Lululemon is a thing, but it's like fancy yoga pants and stuff.
1: So Lululemon is just leggings. Lululemon. Not Lululemon. Okay. Lululemon. Lululemon. and Lululemon. Okay. I tried so hard to like do a thing that you... You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just going to laugh.
0: Lululemon.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no,
0: Lululemon, they have really nice stuff. It's very expensive for what it is. Mm-hmm. LuLaRoe.
1: Lululemon type scheme.
0: These dudes are on the stairs. They're talking. We're one and a half seconds into We're Jeez. three milliseconds into the episode. Yeah.
1: So all of a sudden at the bottom of the stairs, they see a woman lying unconscious on the ground. Okay. <gasps> paramedic at the hospital arrives and tells Benson that the victim is in her teens. They're all at the hospital now, okay? Mm -hmm. He didn't get her name, and she was completely unresponsive the whole ride. He's super hot, by the way. Oh, my God. I don't even remember.
0: Oh, it was. I I remember because I'm like, I want to see you again. When can I see you again? And then we. Tash is about to cream or lemons (laughs) or (laughs) whatever. Cream or lemons. (laughs) Tash is about to fold in the cheese.
1: (laughs) Oh gross. Ew.
0: Yeah, gross. Gross.
1: Oh, you better leave that in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I left in the SpongeBob vagina thing. (laughs) That was funny. (sighs) I didn't want to. He didn't get her name
1: and she was completely unresponsive the whole ride to the hospital in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. At the scene She had said He raped me And then went back Unconscious He takes Benson To her trauma room And there's doctors And nurses working on her And they're all trying To save her life
0: It's chaos
1: It's fucking chaos Yeah Benson is telling them That she's a rape victim That they need to try And preserve any evidence Begins picking up clothes And stuff off the ground The victim is rushed Into the OR While Benson is like Grabbing tons of those Long cube tip things And handing them to him be like Please can you just While you're going in there Can you just wipe You know
0: Yeah Swab for fluids Yeah. Yeah
1: She's like begging them, right? And they're all, they're doing it. This girl might die, you know? Right. So they're all rushing into the OR while swabbing areas of her body and they stop and won't let Benson through the doors because it's sterile. Mm -hmm. She's like, I just need one fingernail scraping and the nurse is like, you're done and closes the door. Right. Every single person in this scene was desperately trying to do their job, which is to help the victim and it was like kind of an intense scene.
0: It was so intense and Benson stood there defeated, but she understood she wasn't going to push it. I mean, the nurse was like, no, bye. We got shit to do. Right. I get it. You want to get the person who did this but we got to save her life first.
1: Yeah. Now we're at the hospital front desk. Benson is bagging and marking the swabs and sends a cop straight to the Emmys office and then to the lab with the victim's clothes. And I was like, this idiot has a face. Like, he's going to fuck something up.
0: Oh, my God. Ta- she's explaining to him with a flat up and down hand, like, OK, and then do this. And then this. And he's going, mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought this was going to be like an important note or something later on. Oh, like they, that- he fucked it up or something. And it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it had nothing to do with anything. I was just... Like, this guy's an idiot. He's going to fuck this whole episode up.
0: He went to lunch with that fucking hot paramedic because we didn't see either of them again.
1: Yeah. Stabler walks in. Benson's telling Stabler that no one got a full rape kit and keeps going on and on about everything that's going on. And Stabler tells her that the victim died on the table.
0: There was absolutely nothing anybody could do. Yeah.
1: They found her name in her jacket and a bottle of Percocet. Her name was Emily Porter. Now they have to go tell their parents. Benson and Stabler show up at the victim's address. A little tween answers the door and calls for her mom. She asks them if they're there to pay condolences and we're like what how do they know already apparently grandma died last night
0: yeah she looks like she wears low-rise jeans with a chain wallet this little tween and i'm like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh this friend's gonna withhold right stop it (laughs) (laughs) what i need to make predictions too Well, apparently the
1: grandma died last night. Sorry for night. yelling so hard about that. <laughs> I know, it's okay. My ears are just um, bleeding. That's fine. Oh. Mom comes to the door and Benson asks her if it's, she's the mother of Emily Porter. The mom says, no, actually, I'm Emily Porter. And I'm like, what's going on?
0: <laughs> theme song. So we're back at this lady, Emily Porter's house. Benson and Stabler are showing her a photo of the girl from the ER and she's like, I have no idea who that is. The real Emily was given the Percocet by her dentist when she had a root canal, but she said that they made her loopy, so she tossed them. Benson, Stabler, and mom all turn their heads at the same time to that little cunt Heather (laughs) that answered the door and asked her if she had anything to do with it. And Heather looks at them with wide eyes and asks if the pills killed the girl. She didn't give the victim in the ER the pills. She says, "Well, I sold them to a guy at the skateboard park." I'm like, "Who the fuck wrote that? Didn't you know such thing as a uh, She said fucking skateboard park. Oh my gosh. I'm like, "Bitch, stop trying to sell drugs. <laughs> Just yeah. stop it. You don't know how to be that kid. You're not that fucking kid." <laughs> so now we're at the
1: skate park. First of all, do you remember hanging out at skate parks all the time? Oh, a hundred percent so toots i can't believe they sent toots of all people to the fucking skate park like i just i just see him going there with a gun shooting up in the air (laughs) i hate kids (laughs) hey where is munch oh he should be there wow was he in this episode at all not at
0: all no Hmm. no wonder why i liked it so much (laughs) stop it Oh, stop it. You could tell Toots noticed his absence because his attitude this whole time was weird.
1: Yeah. So Toots rolls up to the skate park and sees a guy giving another guy some
0: something, right? Mm-hmm. The dude is dealing from a park bench. Right. Toots oh. hops up and sits really cool on the back of the bench while the other guy is on the seat of the bench. Toots actually like turns the whole <laughs> bench around and sits on, it. <laughs> sits on it backwards. His legs are like,
1: it's really hard to get in between the back part. Of it.
0: <laughs> so Toots is trying to buy Vicodin off this guy and they have a little fun doctor dealer patient buyer banter. And then Toots shows the guy his badge, and the dude gets up to run off, but Toots grabs him right away like, doesn't even get up from the bench. She just hard yanks the dude right back down. He's awesome.
1: Toots shows the picture of the victim and asks who she is, but the kid doesn't know. Toot starts going through his pockets saying he'll put them away for everything he has on him.
0: He's doing it like he's Patrick Swayze and the dude is Demi Moore and the dude's jacket (laughs) with 30 pockets is clay on a potter's wheel. Hot. It's so hot.
1: <laughs> this dude gives in and says he doesn't know who she is, but that she came this morning looking for shit. He watched her
0: walk across the street to the hotel Royal Arms. This guy's desperation, too, for Toots to fuck off is hilarious. He's like, she was wearing a hat. It was floppy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Benson and Stabler are hanging out nearby and go into the hotel to see who they can find. Front desk dude says the girl didn't look like a sex worker, but she met a guy in the lobby who was white, buff, and probably in his 30s. The front desk dude doesn't think that it's a, quote, business transaction because the dude is all over her and she's not having it.
0: He holds up the clipboard to show Benson and she's looking at it and she goes, mm, bend over. Mm-hmm. OK, obviously it's a fake name. So Benny asks the guy if our dude Ben Dover is still up in the room and the clerk behind the plexiglass turns like really sassy and cute for a second and goes, we're a by the hour establishment. <laughs> and Stabler goes, tell me that room hasn't been cleaned yet. And the guy's like, not since 72.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know no, that's funny. <laughs> Even my notes said, that's funny. <laughs> So Benson and Stabler are in the hotel room and it's completely disheveled. They toss on some gloves to root around through the mess. Benson and Stabler are trying to figure out what happened and why. Maybe he took her to the hotel and she broke free and got away and then he caught up with her and killed her? Stabler finds a fucking black floppy hat that's made exclusively at Destination. Okay. It's the Lululemon of floppy hat stores. At the store destination, a sales associate is showing Benson and Stabler to where the hats are. It's a pretty expensive boutique. The hats are <laughs> seven ninety five and not seven dollars. It's seven hundred and ninety five dollars and Stabler's mind is fucking blown. minus two because, come on i know so they just got the hats in yesterday and they haven't sold any yet so the victim was stealing shit maybe benson and Stabler are talking to the owner or manager or whoever he is and they're going through a bunch of pictures of people who have stolen from the shop so they find a picture of the victim and he remembers her because they had press charges
0: against her he's like she was trying to steal cashmere during our president's day sale can you believe it i don't know what that means uh, yeah Stabler was like oh not cashmere <laughs> But the photo doesn't have a name on it.
1: Yeah. They pressed charges against her and they wanted a name, but he should have gotten like a copy of a 61, which is like a police report or something, whatever. Or a criminal court complaint. And he got neither. Yeah. He never heard about it ever again. She was picked up by an officer Slater. Okay. Yes so Toots is walking up to a cop car and sees Officer Slater napping. Toots annoyingly knocks really hard on the window. He didn't have to do it like that, but whatever. Toots shows the picture of the victim and says she pulled a Winona at destination. And then I totally
0: forgot about that whole Winona Rider stealing shit. This whole interaction, the cop just keeps cartoonishly stretching like, we get it, you just woke up from a nap. He's wearing one of those long, old-timey sleeping caps. He's like... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a full body, you know, like a cartoon bear waking up from hibernation or something. He's like, oh,
1: yeah. The ghost of Christmas passes in the fucking backseat. <laughs> like, we're all here. We're trying to sleep. You fucker. There's a guy with chains in the back.
0: <laughs> Coming for you, toots. It's Munch.
1: Yeah. He's all of the ghosts. He should be a ghost. He was at your house at the witching hour last night. Oh, my God. You fucking piece of shit. I knew it. <laughs> I him felt it. for me. Him. Oh. And you for bringing it up. <laughs> so Officer Slater says that the girl wouldn't give him her name and she got a DAT.
0: Yeah, a desk appearance ticket. At the desk appearance
1: ticket office, Benson Stabler asked this lady who just can't even today to pull a (laughs) DAT for the date that the victim stole stuff from, what's it called? Destination. Turns out the girl's name is Patricia Stevens.
0: This lady, by the way, this lady, the desk appearance ticket office lady, Mm -hmm. she grew up in Southie, but she moved to New York in her 20s. Okay. (laughs) She has five brothers and three of them are in jail. Patrick, Daniel, Liam, Mock, and Connor. That's just the backstory that I've created for her and I feel (laughs) like I'm at least 98% accurate. I think you're pretty accurate, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really I don't know anything about the actor, that's just this character's vibe. vibe. Yeah. So she weirdly stops
1: and stares and pauses and looks at Benson and Stabler and Benson's like, "What's the fucking problem?" The lady can't find anything, so she's like, "Look, I really have to close up." Bye. Yeah, she's clearly not interested in helping them. Benson tells her that Patricia is dead and she needs the info like fucking now. I got to talk to her parents. And lady's like shocked. "Oh my god, Patricia is dead?" She knows her. Patricia is fucking jealous. Judge Thornburg's daughter. (gasps) No wonder why she never got in trouble for shit. Mm -hmm. Now we're in the squad room. So Patricia is Thornburg's stepdaughter. I guess he does like a lot for the community and like is really hard on child molesters and stuff. So Benson and Stabler pop into Kragen's office and let him know what's going on. Kragen is upset because he knows Thornburg. Super personally,
0: he fucking short circuits when they tell him it's a judge's daughter. Yeah, (laughs) how do we handle this? (laughs) (laughs) Judge Thornburg, what? (laughs) Not Judge Thornburg's daughter.
1: (laughs) Just then, Cabot comes in, and it's already going around the courthouse. She's like,
0: "Oh my god, it's true." Ugh. I didn't feel bad about it until I saw Cabot be upset. And I'm like, oh, this is hard.
1: She's like, my boss is going to want to know every single move you guys make on this case. Kragan wants to be the one to tell Thornburg and his wife.
0: So Kragen goes to Thornburg's house and this super cute, small lady toting two small boys greets him by first name and she's super cute and recognizable. Her real name is Valerie Mahaffey. I might not be pronouncing her last name right. She played Dr. Ocean in United States of Terra. I also watched National Lampoon's Senior Trip so many times for some coming of age reason and she played Miss Milford. That movie's the whole reason I can't take Jeremy Renner seriously. He plays like a stoner like main character cool guy. I don't remember. Oh my God. I don't know how or why I've seen that movie 30,000 times. I'm not exaggerating. And then... (laughs) <laughs> Jeremy Rinner then was in I don't remember what I saw him in next. Was it Zero Dark Thirty? Or one of those army movies that always wins awards. And everybody's like, this guy's incredible! And I was like, isn't that fucking douche from National Lampoons? Anyway, so this lady's cute. She's got this little voice. She asks if everything's okay and it cuts to her crying and Thornburg comforting her. We skip the whole part about them telling her nicer than they've ever told any parents that their kid is dead. Mm-hmm. Craigen tells them that she was found this morning in Hell's Kitchen and they're investigating it as a rape homicide Thornburg sends his bawling grieving wife Brooke into another room and once she's gone Thornburg says to Cragen that he can drop the nice cities now Patricia's been a problem child since puberty and he's not (sighs) shocked about what's happened I'm immediately screaming at my screen Mm Cragen you're one of us blinders are on Mm-hmm. This guy shuts yeah. off any emotion and starts talking about how she's been the fucking problem. Red fucking flags immediately. Right. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, I've got my eye on you. You're mm-hmm. responsible somehow. Yep. And I feel like Craig and should be like, wait a minute, your stepdaughter, this girl that you've raised, just died in a terrible way, and you're like, oh, she's been such a problem, dude, yeah. <laughs> girl. I mean, Good like, rims. I'm glad Am she's I right? dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, fingers crossed. I was hoping.
0: Oh, when you showed up and you weren't like, hey, do you want to go swing a couple buckets or whatever golf people say? <laughs> <laughs> I, was just... <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, maybe Patty's dead. No, they call her Trisha. <laughs> I was going to say Patty, too. <laughs> <laughs> they call her Trisha throughout this. Patty pancake. I hope she's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> Craigan's like, nothing weird about that. <laughs> So he said right when he and Brooke got together, Trisha went wild. The girls have gone wild. And they had to send her to boarding school. And she's only been back about a year. He said that Brooke got a call this morning that Patricia ditched school right after roll call. She's ditching school a lot. She's got a tattoo and piercings. Rebellion. (laughs) Here's me making my prediction, maybe because our stepdad was trash. And yeah. I hate the tiny drink he took of
1: his whiskey at the end. I know. He was a little bitch. He like, like, I can tell you're acting. You're not actually a rich judge. <laughs> <laughs> Munch and Toots are talking to hot lab bomb squad guy. Yeah.
0: We know that they're in the lab because he's got his white lab coat on. Not the like jumpsuit.
1: I'm working on a car lab. Nope. Thing or the nope. speedo swimming
0: lab. <laughs> And we don't know that it's the lab based on the surroundings, the shelves, the computers, the Mm -hmm. beakers, (laughs) whatever else goes on in a lab, just the white coat. Yeah. It could have been completely black except for him with a flashlight. And we'd have been like, oh, he's wearing that white lab coat. We know exactly where he's at.
1: (laughs) So the extremely large and shitty tattoo on Patricia's back. Oh, I looked at it and I was like, there's no way to even cover that up
0: poor thing it i don't know to the detail that you know about what a remarkably bad tattoo is but to the uh i've done a lot of them i've the done la- a lot <laughs> <laughs> to like the regular pedestrian eye not like somebody who knows all that shit i'm going there's absolutely no shading it's just like strictly black and red this dragon looking thing that looks like it will be the darkest color crappiest blob again Mm. i agree with her stepdad good thing she's dead so that tattoo doesn't get any worse (laughs) i'm taking that
1: out (laughs) no okay so the extremely shitty tattoo on patricia's back doesn't match any gang tattoos Glass shards were found in a. We're like, I'm glad she's dead. And we're like, glass shards were found in her head wound that matched a beer bottle that was near. It looks like from the blood splatter that she was hit in the head while she was on the sidewalk and kind of staggered down some steps, cartwheeled, and landed hard at the bottom, laying unconscious for like 15 minutes. It sounds like she hit like every fucking stair on the way down. Oh. A hot bomb squad guy went and found an identical bottle of beer and filled it with plaster of Paris. I love this part because he like. (laughs) <laughs> Puts on some goggles because he's yeah. going to smash the bottle, but doesn't offer Benson and Stabler any, which I thought was just hilarious because they were just as close to the thing.
0: Right. I'm going to do an
1: experiment. Eye protection, check. <laughs> These are science eyes. They're more important than yours. It's like, <laughs> geez. OK, so he then broke the bottle of beer and the plaster of Paris hat was in the shape. He did this so he could put all the glass shards he found from the crime scene together using the plaster of Paris as like a puzzle map. Map, okay yes it's a ton of shards of glass but it's all that they have and they need to get fingerprints
0: he's pumped that he thought of this awesome idea and mm-hmm. they're like oh my god that's like so many pieces oh we're gonna go get a hot I know. dog
1: i'm gonna go get a hot dog and saver's like i'm gonna get a beer bong of fucking relish <laughs> <laughs> you just see him out on the street on one knee benson's <laughs> standing <laughs> in a park bench up bye oh. <laughs> like, go 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 i need you to draw that now yeah i'm going to okay <laughs> At St. Monica's, Benson and Stabler are doing a walk and talk with a nun who was one of Patricia's teachers. Mm. She says that Patricia was very smart in the classes that she actually showed up for and did very well in. But she had a discipline problem. Of course, a nun would say that. The only issue she really had were with authority figures. She said that Patricia would show up late or not at all and would talk back and was defiling
0: her body. Okay, this fucking twat. Says she was defiling her body Which is strong shame game Stronger Mm -hmm. than any I had yet to hear When talking about somebody engaging in self-harm Right Fuck this lady Yeah Fuck this Um, lady who probably teaches abstinence only A hundred percent Shaming somebody who's self-harming is so fucked And not rare, by the way This isn't like crazy That this came out of an educator's mouth Mm -hmm. No offense to good educators But that it's so fucked up Like that's why people hide that shit
1: Exactly, yeah so, piercing, tattooing, and she was also cutting herself. Which Benson's like, that's a cry for help, dude. Patricia didn't really have any friends except for like one girl. Oh my god, I love this girl. Benson and Stabler find the friend studying in a room. She is so acute. Benson's like, oh, you're studying up for all the classes you scopped. Good start on getting a teen to talk to you, you fucking dumbass. No shit. So this chick's name is Mary. She can't believe that Patricia is dead.
0: Yeah, she's had small roles in all kinds of great stuff. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Future Man, Shameless, the American <gasps> version. She was in Yesterday, a movie that my kids love. So she's done all these small roles, but it's always an awesome stuff. Crazy ex girlfriend, amazing show. Everybody watch Mm -hmm. it. Future Man, fucking incredibly hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Watch that too.
1: Okay, so Mary's like, I never skipped school, but like Patricia kind of made me and we went to destination. When she saw Patricia stealing the hat, she got really mad and left Patricia there. And it feels really guilty about it. Mm. Mary says that her and Patricia have been friends since Patricia got back from boarding school a year ago. Patricia didn't have a boyfriend, but wrote a lot of letters back and forth to prisoners. But since Patricia's parents are so strict, the letters would go to Mary's house. Mary says that she was doing God's work helping these souls and that her parents wouldn't get it.
0: In the squad room, Benson and Stabler are reading through all these letters and they're cracking jokes about how Shakespeare never wrote that he wanted to do you on the stovetop. Okay. They're just talking shit because Mary said the shit about Patricia doing the Lord's work. Craigan walks up. They tell him what's up. They found all the letters in Patricia's locker. She's been pen-paling with five different convicts, Ray Dayton, Thomas Gordon, John Furman, Lewis Knapp and Alden Reed all went away for murder. Cragen said Patricia wanted for nothing. She had everything she could ever want or need, and wants to know why she's writing to convicts. Like what? What
1: does having everything? When has that ever meant anything to teenagers? Like I know. And then I thought, oh my fucking god! I bet all these men are dudes. Her stepdad was the presiding judge over their case.
0: Amazing observation game. Did you think that too, or am I a no? Genius? I didn't.
1: Okay, I am a
0: genius! Finally. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, it's weird that you guys don't invite Huang in on this because that seems like a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she getting in trouble? Now she's writing to prisoners secretly. There's more to it, but mm-hmm. you're fucking, like I said, like you're one of us blinders are on because this guy's a fucking judge. Yep. I think more so with Kragen than anybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. Fucking Kragen goes, from what I hear, this girl was nothing but trouble. Wow. So Oh, fucking. Wow. Good thing she's dead then. Right. She can stop being nothing but trouble now. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I've never been so mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> personally or professionally. Kragan's going to take the list to Cabot to see if any of them are out on parole. He's taking this personally because Thornburg is a friend and mm-hmm. he's the captain. So he's allowed to take it personally. Right. Don't let. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget.
1: The next time he tells one of them to not take it personally. No shit. In Cabot's office, she's going over the list of names. All of them are in prison except for Thomas Bird Gordon, who got out a week ago. Oh, my God. Tasha Bird. Okay, (laughs) Bird. You know that I went. I had been calling him Tommy till the end of the episode. And then I went back and fucking changed Tommy to Bird (laughs) to force you to have to say it.
0: Bird. Oh, Um, my God. Tasha Bird. (laughs) The word doesn't bother me.
1: <laughs> just think about a beady-eyed little
0: parrot. You didn't even have to come up. Any bird. Any bird. Brian jail bars,
1: side-eyeing I, you in a tiny little blue jumpsuit with numbers on it. Can it be a
0: pigeon? Yes. Can it be a pigeon? Because we're in New York. I wanted it to
1: be a pigeon. Okay. Yeah. I just forgot the and name pigeon. And then he can
0: be like, hur, hur, what am I in here for? Hur. No, he's like, coming for you, Tasha, next. <laughs> First I gotta go peck at this trash a little bit. <laughs> but the trash is you. Oh, oh! <laughs> She
1: trash is your eyeballs. <laughs> okay, hold on. Where are we? Prior to the murder, Gordon had a couple of accounts of sex abuse three. Okay. Cabot tells Cragen to come look at her computer. She's like, You're gonna wanna see this. Turns out Thornburg was the judge for all of these dudes' cases. Called it for once. Ugh. I never I never call it. I never call anything. I never put in my two cents about who it could be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in my notes, I put in red letters so I wouldn't forget to tell you, Noise, Gabe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Noice.
0: <laughs> Gross. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I knew you were, were going to respond with that. Um, Benson and Stabler roll up on the Thornburg house. There's an ambulance and all kinds of cops. Benson asks an officer what happened, and he's like, A dude got <laughs> shot fucking thornburg (laughs) at the hospital benson gives brooke aka judge thornburg's wife a cup of coffee when i see her in profile and kind of this conversation i see this in her if she were a drag queen she'd be sasha velour specifically sasha velour lip-syncing to whitney houston so emotional during the finale of season nine Mm -hmm. i get so emotional baby and she's got the fucking gloves and the rose petals and then the fucking wig Mm, fuck that was amazing oh i bet i watched that once a week It's really good. Brooke, the mom, says that Thornburg is in surgery and nobody will tell her how he's doing. Benson asks her what happened. Okay, so she says she was in the kitchen making lunch with her housekeeper for the boys and called Thornburg to see if he wanted anything. Five minutes later, she heard a loud shot outside the front door. She went outside and saw him on the ground bleeding. She didn't look around for anyone. She assumes it's because she was in some sort of shock or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Thornburg was coming home from court. He'd gone there to clear his calendar and then was going to be on his way back to make funeral arrangements for Patricia. Brooke can't think of anyone that would want to hurt her husband, but does know that he sent people away to prison who are probably mad. Those are people included in people that would want to hurt him. Yeah, I mean, that's like, he's a judge. But she says they've never gotten any threats or anything. Benson tells her that Patricia was writing to some of the men that her husband put away in prison and Brooke did not know that. We are now at the New York Division of Parole. Toots and Stabes are talking to Thomas's parole officer. This dude looks like if current day Matt Damon got a government job 30 years ago that he's been soups dedicated to his entire life. He spent half of his career in Chicago and the rest in New York because his accent is weird to me. <laughs> he's been out a week. Don't tell me he's broken his parole already. Toots says he's looking good for rape murder. That fits your guy? Like a glass slipper. Right before he got set up, my little princess was a suspect in a rash of break and rapes in Brooklyn. Never enough to arrest. (laughs) The PO hasn't seen him in a week, and he isn't surprised that they're looking for him. Guy's got a faulty transmitter. Doesn't receive signals too clearly. Ladies say no. He hears yes. When he said faulty transmitter, (laughs) he threw both of his hands up and wiggled them back and forth, and it made me (laughs) love him. So much.
1: He was so, I was so hoping you were going to do this whole thing because it was like, oh, this guy.
0: Oh my God. I want to put him in a terrarium with a little hamster water bottle and little food <laughs> pellets and <laughs> get him all psyched up all the time.
1: You guys, come here. The little PO guy is getting
0: excited. Everybody, come here. Look, watch. <laughs> Multi terrariums matter. He's kicking up little sawdust or whatever. <laughs> Saw scraps. Saw scraps. He goes on and says, but he never killed one of them. How'd your girl buy it? Stabler goes, bottle to the head, tumble down the stairs. The guy stops with his pile of receipts for gum he'd been shuffling or whatever the fuck he was doing. He had all these mm-hmm. tiny little scraps of paper, like they were important. Looks up and says, deja vu. Oh my and God. And then- his- <laughs>
1: yes. He does this weird lizard tongue thing that just like, um, he sticks his t- entire pointy little tongue <laughs> out and up touching the top of his upper lip <laughs>
0: deja vu <laughs> <laughs> while he's doing it he's making eye contact with toots for a beat longer than whatever is normal <laughs> like it was just a little too long like he was trying to tell him something with his eyes and his tongue <laughs> it was so weird tommy's manslaughter conviction stemmed from a bar fight seven of guy's carotid oh beer bottle right mm-hmm mm-hmm Tommy was paroled to his sister's address in Queens and worked at her husband's garage. Oh my God. So, Mm -hmm. Toots, Benny, and Stabes are at the sister's husband's garage. Okay. I've transcribed it in its entirety. Thank Here we God. go.
1: <clears throat> I literally in my notes. I says, "Haha, Tasha. I hope you do this whole scene." Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the sister has a big time attitude. She's supposed to be rough and working in a car garage, but she's got this fresh ass blowout, which screams corporate office to me. I feel like they could have done something a little different with her hair. It really took me out of it. But she goes, "What do you want with Tommy?" Toot says, "We need to have a little chat with him." She's not about it. Leave a card, and I'll have him give you a call. It's two p.m., and Stabler isn't buying that he's not at work. Stabe says, "So much for employee of the month." <laughs> Stabes um, is like New York tough guying it a little bit, which is kind he's of in, his vibe, right? Yeah, he's in the garage. You know, yeah. he's got to be hes a t- tough guy now. For sure. Toots says, he's on parole. You have to tell us where he is. And the sister, still not getting it, says, what do you want with them? Stabes goes, the judge who sent your brother up. Someone took a pot shot at him. She goes, good. Because that judge had it out for Tommy from the beginning. Oh, sure. He but did. Tommy didn't do it. Toots asks if he was at work yesterday. He's all biz today. No clever quips out of this guy. I think he misses Munch. Nobody appreciates (laughs) him anyway. He's just straight to the point. She keeps on with her attitude. Yeah, he comes to work every day. (laughs) Stabes, on the other hand, is quite amused. He turns and addresses the husband who's got his head under the hood of a car. The true Mr. DeGallio? My wife! She dotes on that worm. The second he shows up, I find things to do in the attic. Well, Tommy's sister slash this guy's wife is pissed. Tony! Uh. <laughs> he doesn't even raise his voice. His head's still under the hood. and He goes, shut up, Charlene. He finally stands <laughs> up and turns around. He's a Tom Sizemore slash Greg Giraldo mashup. Mm, okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah, he showed up just long enough to ask for the morning off. Toots goes, what for? Guy goes, guy's a sludge. He's been in prison a long time. <laughs> Said he was getting a piece of tail. Charlene chimes in. What? Was there a law against that? I mean, they asked you if he was there and it turns out he wasn't.
1: So after this, they should just charge her with obstruction just for the fuck of it.
0: She's protecting her brother, but he's a sludge. So I don't really feel too bad for her.
1: No, I don't. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Charge her
1: with something because she just sucks.
0: And she's like, is there a crime against it? It's like you're stalling our investigation. You're costing the taxpayers money. Your husband's going to give us all the information we need. (laughs) (laughs) He hated your brother. So apparently Tommy didn't give a name of this girl and just called her sweet young thing. Gross. Yeah. And uh, Tony can't drop it. The way he goes on, she's burning hot for him. Gattin' heat hot. Wants to do these things. And Charlene interrupts him and goes, okay, they get the picture. <laughs> Stabes keeps it moving. What time did he clock back in? Tony goes, see, that's the thing. Not only does he not show up for the rest of the day, he never returns my van. That low life loser. Stabler looks at the <laughs> wife and says, oh, he never came home last night. She goes, of course he did. And Stabes obviously has somebody who's giving him everything. Goes, sir. And the husband, more than happy, jumps in. No, he did not. <laughs> Tooth uh, tells <laughs> toots tells Tony to describe the van, and Tony is fucking delighted to tell them. Yeah, he's pumped. 97 Ford E-150, customized it myself, hydraulic camshaft, 351 Windsor V8, dual exhaust, business mode Toots doesn't give a shit, just the plates, he says. You see Tony's face go a little like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: He was yeah. like a little bummed. He like really wanted to talk
0: about his car. He was excited about his van. He worked really hard on it. BQY 2064. stapes And maybe a color. Tony gets excited again. Gold. Four tone paint job with flames.
1: <laughs> I want to see this van so fucking bad.
0: I know. And we don't get to fucking see it. I know. Anyway, these guys have what they need. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye, Charlene and Tony. You love birds. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell they're going to last. Yeah. I mean they probably will. They'll just hate each other their entire lives. Yeah. He was a prick, but I loved him.
1: Okay, so in the squad room, Benson is looking cute in her outfit and tells Craig and that they got people round the clock watching for Bird and guarding Brooke and Thornburg. Toots and everyone else is on the god dang horn looking for this guy in this badass fucking van that I can't wait to see. <laughs> According to ballistics, Thornburg was shot by a 380 semi-automatic, so Bird could have that on him. They need to be careful. Kragan wants them to check out Bird's old haunts. The place that Bird was at when he manslaughtered was a place called O'Malley's, and he was also in trouble for grabbing at a stripper down in the Bowery. Kragan tells him to split up and check them all out. So if you manslaughtered at a place called O'Malley's or were in trouble for grabbing a stripper, why would you be allowed back in those places?
0: I have no idea. I guess they have a high tolerance for fuckery.
1: Right. All right. So Benson walks into Eager Beaver Strip Club, which, come on, come on. It's a dumbass strip club. It's just (laughs) stupid. I don't know. It
0: does. It kind of looks like a dive bar where girls are just like, oh, my God, please just give me 20 bucks. Fuck. Yeah. I hate it here, too.
1: She asked this bartender who had her tits almost all the way out, just like how Tasha used to when she bartended. Ha ha! (laughs)
0: <laughs> I would have slapped one of them out on the bar if it paid my fucking rent. Yeah, dude. Um,
1: <laughs> it's smart. Benson shows her a pic of Bird. She recognized him. He was in a couple days ago drinking all afternoon. He's always trying to hit on this dancer
0: named Sheila. There's never been a stripper named Sheila, by the way. Really? In the history of stripping, have you... Sheila, welcome to the stage, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I- Sheila does the books up in the <laughs> attic office at the strip yeah. club. So apparently
1: Bird still can't keep his hands to himself. It's like why are you still let him in here a couple days ago he got on stage and was doing a quote hump dance with sheila Rose <laughs> they kicked him out benson's like can i talk to sheila and she's like yeah for 20 bucks for three minutes the bartender kind of waves sheila over the bartender hasn't heard of bird getting violent just the drunker he gets the more handsy he gets Sheila comes up and she's like, looks like a cop. (laughs) The bartender's like, no, she's cool. She just wants to know about Humpmeister. Oh, that's so gross. (laughs) Sheila says that Tommy's a shitty tipper and always is trying to hook up with her after work. And he always wants to take her to a place called Falcone's. It's it's up the street, two blocks. (laughs) (laughs) Benson, Stabler and Toots find Bird's van. And there's no fucking close up of it. Come on. Oh, I know.
0: Like, why would they have him give such detailed... Whatever.
1: I want flames. I want a painted wizard. I want something. You know what I mean? Yes. Tiny teardrop window, (laughs) bubble window. Oh, my God. Inside of it, Benson found a gun. She's waiting on the warrant, which made it legal somehow to go through the van.
0: Yeah, I don't get that. She's like, I got this gun, but I got to wait for the warrant before I can swipe it. It's like, what? Maybe
1: maybe because the warrant was approved, just hadn't showed up yet. It was legal. Maybe they don't have to have it in hand. I don't know. So it's a 380 that has recently been fired because Toots smelled it. I'm not even going to, whatever. All three of them go into Falcone's. It's a gross, smoky shithole. It looks like that strip club we were just at, only like not women dancing. They find Bird at the bar and arrest him. They tell him it's a parole violation. Benson reads him his rights. He's wasted and Toot says if he pukes in his car, he'll
0: kill him. When they started to put the cuffs on him, like, oh, yeah, parole violation. He's like, (laughs) yeah.
1: Oh, you got me. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, that's a good noise. Thanks. In the interrogation room, I'm surprised they can even interrogate a drunk dude, by the way. I know. Benny and Staves tell him that his DNA matches the fluid found in Patricia. He's like, Well, I don't know who that is. <laughs> they remind him about the floppy hat and shit he's like if that bitch is saying rape she's lying then they tell him that she's dead he seems like genuinely confused mm-hmm. he admits that he took a shot at the judge but insists he didn't rape or kill Patricia he says he didn't even know Patricia and Thornburg were related till yesterday shooting the judge wasn't even his idea Patricia got him all riled up right it's her fault Ugh. he says one day he's sitting in his cell and she writes him out of the blue promises crazy sex and that she could get him anything he needed she promised she would get him Percocet, but that turned out to be a lie So this is where the Percocet shit comes in Mm -hmm. She got to the hotel, he was all Revved up, but she suddenly had a Quote, headache, so he Seduced her (laughs)
0: I did not like this.
1: Yeah. The catch was he had to kill her stepdad. Benson and Stabler look at each other like, what? (gasps) Benson and Stabler are doing a walk and talk with Kragan, who does not believe it's true, of course. Mm -hmm. But they have the letter Patricia sent Bird. But the letter doesn't specifically say to kill Thornburg, but she does ask for a favor, but won't tell him until they see each other. Kragan's not having it. Thornburg is his buddy, so you can see that he's being protective. Benson says, "Okay, okay. for the sake of argument, let's say that Bird isn't lying. Why would Patricia want to kill Thornburg? Craggan says she's a sick girl and shuts his office door. Mm. It's going to be hard to get like Daddy Kragan on board. Yeah. The case is closed as far as Craggan is concerned, but not for Benson and Stabler. They want to know what did fucking Thornburg do to make his stepdaughter want to kill him?
0: Yeah. And for some reason, it doesn't even pique Kragan's curiosity to go, you know, just check it out. Mm-hmm. If you start looking into this, Judge the Brass is going to have me by the balls
1: but go ahead and do it I, i'll give in in three seconds okay <laughs> i don't drink my son's dead my, my wife i don't know <laughs> what? i don't know <laughs> we're, now we're at monaghan's funeral home. everything is like irish <laughs> it really is now we're at monaghan's funeral home there's only a handful of people at patricia's funeral to me i was like this is so weird that they're showing up to this place for questioning like why a funeral like why not wait for like a day or something but-
0: or even wait for like two hours
1: Right. Benson Stabler, they see the two young boys, Mm -hmm. you know, the judge's sons playing with a woman. So they think it's Brooke, but it's actually her sister, Erin.
0: This is actor Welker White. She comes back two more times to SVU, different people, 2003, and then all the way in 2014. She was in the Randall Emmett dumpster movie, Midnight in the Switchgrass. Randall Emmett? Randall Emmett, okay, it's all... Bravo Vanderpump related, but he is a uh, movie producer who makes garbage movies. It was what got Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly together. They were in this movie together. Eight percent on the tomato meter. It's trash. But Welker White was also in things like Cedar Rapids, which is so fucking good. Have you seen Cedar Rapids? Ed Helms is in it. It's oh so good. yeah, yeah yeah. She was in Chasing Amy. She was in Dead Poet <gasps> Society. Oh. Uh, she was in six episodes of Law and Order Regulars. She was in Wolf of Wall Street. That's so she's her. great. So Brooke is still in
1: the hospital with Thornburg, which I thought it was so weird. Like, you're not even at your own daughter's funeral. Oh, uh, like that's so weird. Right. That put a little like, beep. right. Benson Stabler introduced themselves and say they're working the case and they came to pay their respects and they give her a card saying that they'd love to talk to her at a more appropriate time. And I was like, oh, OK, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> She's really happy that somebody's there who has Patricia's best interests in mind. Finally, somebody
0: who gives a shit about the dead girl.
1: Yeah. Brooke's two little boys start acting up a little bit. And Stabler says that he'll watch them because he's the best dad that's ever existed. And he has so much experience wrangling <laughs> children. He's a king among fathers. And he's a dad. He's the best dad ever in a million years. And everybody should know that, you know. And so they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And they all had to like um, turn their eyes away from him because they couldn't bear to look at his
0: greatness. <laughs> the bright light of father too that he exudes Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Benson and Aaron are just chatting a little bit they're like kind of doing a little walk and talk Mm -hmm. Aaron says that Patricia and Thornburg did not get along at all oil and water Benson said that must have been hard for Brooke and Aaron's like oh please so apparently Brooke's first husband abandoned her and Patricia when Patricia was five Brooke got a job as a court reporter and met the, quote, meal ticket, a.k.a. Thornburg, and they got together. Brooke wasn't going to let Patricia, quote, muck that up. So when Patricia was 12, they immediately sent her away, and they got married and adopted a boy, and then immediately had another son and had this, like, instant family. And Benson was like, oh, that sucks, yeah. And Patricia was tucked away at boarding school, and everyone was like, what? Patricia wasn't at boarding school? When Patricia was 12, Thornburg did a PINS, which is a person in need of supervision. She was sent to a kitty prison. What, what the fuck is going on? Now we're at the Westchester Residential Treatment Center. Toots is doing a walk and talk with some lady. They're going through like a cafeteria into the kitchen. She says that with Patricia being truant and acting out and stuff, it was legitimate call from Thornburg and Brooke. Toots points out that this is a place for like inner city throwaways and Thornburg had money. And it's weird that they didn't send her a boarding school or military school, etc. And the lady mm-hmm. admits that it's odd for a family of means to go through the family court system. But whatever. Judge Thornburg. Thornburg knew where he was putting her, though. He's a fucking judge. Yeah. So Toots asked this lady, what was wrong with Patricia? Was she mentally ill? Was she violent? In the three years that Patricia was there, she never opened up in therapy. The lady kind of looks around and like gets up close to Toots and whispers, we suspected sexual abuse. And I was like, here you fucking go. Oh mm-hmm. shit, here we fucking go. Yes, yes. And Toots asks why she thinks that. And this lady is like, Well, like the regular stuff, insomnia, hypervigilance, easily startled, etc. And the fact that she would never talk about the baby. And Toots goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What baby? And then I was like, Whoa, 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 what baby? Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> what baby? Whoa. <laughs> what, baby? whoa. <laughs> what baby are we talking about? I've been missing much and This is
1: really serious. (laughs) Cut. Cut to Thornburg's house. Brooke and her nanny are leaving the house as Benson and Toots roll up. They want to ask her some questions in private. She has the nanny put the kids in the car. She walks over to them. They ask her why she didn't tell them about Patricia's pregnancy. She's like, I don't know why. I couldn't. I don't know what you are talking about. They tell her they sent her away to boot camp to hide her condition because they're fucking Catholic and can't get an abortion. And so that Brooke and Thornburg's adopted son Brian is actually Patricia's son. She's like, how do you know? They're like, we did the math. <laughs> yeah. They ask her who the father is and Brooke says that Patricia told her she didn't even know who the father was. And I'm like, I'm not buying it. It's fucking Thornburg. In the squad room, Benson and Stabler are giving Cabot the rundown about the lying about the boarding school and how it lines up with the pregnancy and the quote, adopted child Brian's birthday. date. Mm-hmm. says that adopting your daughter's unwed child isn't a crime. Then Stabler kind of like gets up close. He stands up and gets close to Kragan's face, like not threateningly close, just like now is the time to start listening. He wants to be there to look him in the eyes and be like, we're doing this man to man because he's not going to listen to anybody else, of course, because
0: our penis heads need to be touching for you to hear me, Kragan. Like we need to link up. And he says...
1: It is if you're the one who knocked her up. And I was like, oh, shit. Cabot says that Thornburg is one of the most respected judges in the state. And Stabler doesn't give a shit who he is if he raped an 11-year-old girl. Cabot says she can't think of a judge that's harder on child molesters. And then Tooth says maybe he's a self-loather. Yeah. There's only one way to find out. The camera pans over to Stabler and Kragan. And Stabler's still hard staring into Kragan's peepers and says, (laughs) we need Brian's DNA. Did you just laugh at peepers? Yeah. (laughs) We need to get Brian's DNA because they have everyone else's. Craigen walks away, but doesn't say no. Cabot shakes her head and has this like kind of little smile on her face. And she's like, you guys better be fucking right. Oh, shit. And her lip gloss is on fucking point. It's just like shimmering.
0: Catch that light, bitch.
1: Do you want to do the bad B Liz Donnelly's office? Bad B Liz Donnelly. Bad
0: B Liz Donnelly. Liz Donnelly. We are at her office and she's not having it. She's pissed. She's like... Oh, my God, Cabot. No. She goes, you can't prove he was having sex with his stepdaughter. And I put an asterisk by there. You mean Mm -hmm. raping her, Angela.
1: An 11-year-old. You're in charge of the SVU. You should know this.
0: I know her name's Liz Donnelly, but I will never not call her Angela. Angela! Angela! (laughs) <laughs> Cabot, goes bad on a, B, Liz Donnelly. Cabot goes on a list of the bad conduct of the judge, like falsifying the adoption papers, making Patricia's crimes go away, and using a crony to put Patricia in that home. And why would he send her to a home, but then cover Patricia's crimes after she got out? She has something on him. Again, fucking Donnelly says... But no proof of sex. Mm -hmm. Rape, bitch. Mm -hmm. Liz says that she's responsible for the integrity of the entire Bureau and her reputation. Fuck the Bureau and your reputation. This is your job. Everything points to this, you know? (laughs) You know. I don't need to yell at you Why about Why are they it?
1: always so surprised that somebody in a position of power would possibly do this?
0: Oh my God. Cabot looks her dead in the fucking eye and says, A judge has used his power of the court to further his own agenda. If the light we shine on him isn't brighter than the light we shine on the public, then this bureau has no integrity. Oh my God. I got chills when she said that. Ugh. And Liz stops. Whoop. Well, I wouldn't want to be you if he's not the father.
1: Yes, she's going to fucking let her. Oh. Kragen walks into Thornburg's room at the hospital. Kragan asks how he's doing. Thornburg won't even turn his stupid head to look at him, and he says he doesn't feel like talking. Kragan sits down. They did run the paternity test, and it is Thornburg's son. Kragan mm. says, you raped that little girl. And Thornburg says, still not looking at him. Don't ask me for an explanation. I've searched the depths of my soul for one, and I can't for the life of me find one. Oh, boo fucking who, you disgusting twat. I hope your fucking runes get infected, and you get gangrene, and you fucking die.
0: Fuck that- You searched your what? You searched your soul. You raped an 11-year-old. You don't have one. You piece of shit. Yep. Kraken asked him what happened.
1: Did Patricia threaten to expose them? Is that why he killed her? he goes you can't actually believe that i killed her
0: well i didn't believe you fucking raped an 11 year old i know but here we are
1: yeah thornburg looks at craig and and says you have the guy the one who shot me is who killed her and then i was like oh my fucking god it's the mom he stands by he didn't kill her and i fucking kind of believe him because he's already like i don't believe him i don't i don't know anything that he says is true or not but like it does it I don't think he did.
0: I just this whole scene was so gross and I get it mm-hmm. like Craigan was keeping it together and approaching him as a friend to get more information like he was doing a mm-hmm. tactic but I still wanted him Because I mean
1: he him. said he's like I've extended all of my
0: professional courtesies. Yeah. I wish he would have so- been like, "Oh, PS, we're not friends anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No!" <laughs> worst thing. I'm friendship breaking up with you. And he rips off his friendship bracelet that
1: he's been wearing <laughs> for 15 years.
0: He busts the chain of the other half of that broken heart. The one that says Beef fry
1: Beef fry It does say that. <laughs> it fucking throws it on the tray. <laughs> next it to does bed. say Beef fry I've never thought of that. Oh, <laughs> He stands by that he didn't kill her. Kraken's like, hope you're not lying. And leaves. And that's it. That's the end of their friendship.
0: <sighs> Forever.
1: Ooh, now we're in the crime lab. Remember that bottle in the beginning that they were going to put together to get the fingerprint off of? Yeah. <laughs> we're back to that. Benson and Stabler are in the lab talking to hot bomb squad, hot lab dude, telling him to hurry the fuck up. But he's just, he's like, I just got, this is like the best scene. He's just like, hold on. I just got one tiny
0: itty bitty inky wee. Piece of glass to put in this one little hole. There it is. And they keep bleeding they it harder and
1: harder. Yeah, and he's really taking his fucking time, and they hate that. And then he's like, "Now we gotta wait for it to completely dry."
0: He has to throw in the word "completely." I want to believe that he was little brothering them, and yeah. like, oh, 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 almost. Okay, we're at Wait, oh, hold on, almost done here.
1: Benson and Stabler, are like, fuck no, get some prints now, you piece of shit nerd. You know? yeah. Benson and Stabler are literally like right up against the table with their elbows on it, like leaning super hard, looking down at the bottle. It's like the same way I look when they drop a crab boil in front of me. <laughs> I'm like, shrimp, crab shrimpies, let me snatch one.
0: I want to go to crab boil
1: uh, I know, I want that right now. Oh my god, they found some prints. Bomb squad guy goes, oh my god, it actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're at the Thornburg's house. Brooke comes down the stairs in a black dress and meets Benson and Stabler. She's like, what do you guys want? Benson and Stabler ask if she talked to her husband today and if she knows what happened. Brooke literally fucking says, Patricia seduced him. Mm -hmm. Benson's jaw is dropped to the fucking floor. Okay? Yeah. It's so much lip gloss to get all that lipstick all the way down to the floor. (laughs) And it's really scary looking in my head.
0: She looks like one of those clowns at a putt-putt golf thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. Yeah, sure.
1: Your 11-year-old daughter seduced a grown fucking man. Okay, sure. Fucking psycho is what psycho. everybody's eyeballs said. Yeah. <laughs> Brooke says that Patricia was very disturbed and wouldn't leave him alone. And Stabler says, oh, and you believe him. Here, Judge Thornburg is telling fucking Craig and that he searched the depth of his soul and then on the phone is telling him his wife that 11 year old seduced him and wouldn't leave him alone. That poor, like He's a piece of shit.
0: Poor yeah. little girl.
1: Oh my god her fucking okay. And you know and Stabler says you believe him and she's like I do. She also doesn't think that he had anything to do with Patricia's murder. And Benson says you're right the fingerprint on the bottle wasn't your husband's it was yours. Stabler is now like positioned behind her. He's been kind of like walking around the room and now he's like right behind her.
0: Yeah whoop. That was him.
1: The last straw was when Patricia's school called her that morning saying she skipped school after roll call. Brooke went out looking for her. The music gets all swelly and Brooke says, I thought it had to be drugs. Brooke went into Patricia's room to snoop around and found a piece of paper with a hotel name, a date and a time. She knew Patricia was going to have sex. She went there to, quote, save her. But it was a little too late. Brooke saw her coming out of the hotel and confronted her. But Patricia just walked away. Brooke knew she had been with that man, the one who got her pregnant, like, five years ago? Oh, shit. If, like, what? Brooke followed Patricia and demanded to know if that guy was the father. And Patricia finally told her, you want to know who the father is? It's your husband. Brooke slaps her. Patricia oh. pushed her back and Brooke fell. She's like, I don't even remember there being a bottle on the ground, but I must have picked it up and hit Patricia with it. And then Brooke says, and then she gave me this look like I was the one who betrayed her. It's like... You fucking were lady.
0: You oh my god. And that's were. the fucking
1: end. What a fucking episode. There was so much shit going on that by the time when craigen went to his room, I totally forgot about the murder part. I was just like, they got him for raping her when she was eleven. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, Why did you kill her? And I was like, Oh my god, there's a I forgot about that whole fucking part. She's
0: been dead this whole time, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Wild. Bananas.
1: That fucking poor kid, dude. Jesus.
0: This episode isn't Based on a thing, but there's a person in the episode who's based on someone. Once I found that out, I looked into the case and there is so much to it. So the attack on the judge in this episode was based on a real dude. The circumstances surrounding the death of the real life judge, Judge John H. Wood Jr., are something that I have to tell you about. Okay. Okay. Okay, Charles Harrelson was born on July 23rd, 1938 in Lovelady, Texas to Alma Lee and Void Harrelson. He joined the Navy and served for a number of years. After being discharged, he moved to LA and had a series of random jobs. He was a professional gambler. He was a traveling encyclopedia salesman. This is also when he met Diane Lou Oswald. Charles was getting into some shit during this time too, criminal shit. By the time he was 35, he was serving time in prison. Charles and Diane moved to Houston and started a family After this. And this is where Diane gave birth to their three boys Woody, Brett, and Jordan. Okay. Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. What? Yes. Okay. Wait, how is he in this? What's going on? Oh, oh, oh. I can't believe neither of us knew this, but okay. In 1965, Charles and Diane were divorced. Charles got into some hot water gambling, hot water being organized crime families, okay? Mm -hmm. He was borrowing money and shit and had a lot of debts, okay? In 1968, he was arrested for armed robbery, but after they couldn't make a case out of it, Charles disappeared, completely abandoning the family. He wasn't around much before this because he was always in and out of jail and off fucking around. Mm -hmm. So the boys and Diane continued on as it were. Meanwhile... Charles has these gambling debts. He decided, maybe with a little pressure from the mob whom he was in deep water with, that he could pay off the debts by becoming a hired hitman. Oh, Jesus. In 1958, he was contracted to kill carpet salesman Alan Berg, allegedly by carpet salesman competition. So he was paid $1,500 for the hit from people who were also trying to sell carpets, I guess. $1,500 in 1958. $14,470 $14,470 today, 20200 in Australia. He had a girlfriend, Sandra Sue Attaway, trick Berg into getting in a car with her where Harrelson rushed them, got in the car, made Berg drive to an unpopulated area and shot him in the head and then strangled him for good measure.
1: This is Woody Harrelson's dad.
0: This is Woody Harrelson's dad, yeah. In 1970, Harrelson was arrested and tried for that murder. He had a ton of alibi witnesses and was found not guilty because of the witnesses. Alan Berg's brother had always maintained that Harrelson was responsible, though. Later that year, Thomas Scamadaro was a grain broker, but he also was in the biz of smuggling heroin. His business partner in the grain dealing game, father of four, Sam DeGelia Jr., was pulled over with a shipment of heroin. Scamadaro hired Harrelson for $2,000 to get rid of Sam for this, because Sam fucked up. Mm-hmm. So he was going to, Scamadero was going to have him killed. $2,000, about $14,370 today. Less than inflation. That's $100 mm-hmm. less than what he was paid 12 years prior. It's not important. I was just interested by it. Mm-mm. Know your worth, Charles. <laughs> anyway, Charles wasn't like a hitman in the movies that evades capture because he was arrested again and tried for this murder as well. <laughs> You're like, he's like in the movies. He's not, he's like a, he's not a good a good <laughs> uh hitman or anything. <laughs> A nightclub singer testified as his alibi resulting in a hung jury. Harrelson was granted a retrial. Unfortunately for him, the nightclub singer had then left the country and didn't testify on his behalf. He was found guilty in that second trial and was sentenced to 15 years. Pete Scamadero was also tried and found guilty of being an accomplice to murder and sentenced to seven years probation, even though he had ordered the hit. Harrelson sat in prison for only five years, though. Good behavior strikes again. He served five years For murder. (laughs) In 1973, Lil Woody, who hadn't seen or spoken to his dad for five years, was sitting in a car waiting for his mom's friend to drive him home from school. He was listening to the radio when he heard a news report about his dad's trial and conviction. In interviews, he would later describe it as a, quote, wild realization. You know, who his dad was. He's like putting puzzle pieces together. This he's this little kid, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting in a boat of a car, I'm sure. Yeah, with no seatbelts. In the front seat. With a cigarette in the ashtray. Yeah. Being like, Oh my fucking God, my dad kills people. Right. So nineteen seventy nine, Harrelson's out of prison. Drug lord and member of the Dixie Mafia, Jimmy Chagra, was on trial for trafficking. He sat before Judge John H. Wood Jr., better known as Maximum John. He earned himself that nickname for doling out long sentences to drug offenders. So the judge in the episode was known for Mm -hmm. doling out big old sentences to child molesters, SVU. There you go. This Mm -hmm. judge, it was drug offenders. Chagra was on the hook with him, so he hired Harrelson to off the judge. He got Mm. a bit of a raise this time. It was a fucking judge, so I would hope so. Chagra paid Harrelson a quarter of a million dollars in 1979 money. Today, that's $961,000. On the morning of May 29th, 1979, (gasps) the judge was... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I said May. I should have taken a moment for you. It's gonna be May. (laughs) God. (laughs) So that morning, the judge was leaving his house in San Antonio for work. He saw that his car had a flat tire and when he bent down to look at it, now I found two different accounts about how he was shot, but uh, one of them was that Harrelson came up on him and shot him in the back of his head, and the other one was that he shot him in the small of his back in an upward direction and the bullet lodged in his upper chest. Either way, killed him. He was the first federal judge to be killed in the 20th century. President Jimmy Carter described his assassination as, quote, an assault on our very system of of justice
1: in the 70s yeah first judge to be killed in the 20th century i don't believe that
0: well it's true <laughs>
1: there's got to be some small town judge or something come on
0: really I, small town judge and federal judge federal, yeah, federal judge, judge. Yeah. yeah well i'll be dipped okay as we know killing one of their own is always a trigger for an expansive investigation and police mm-hmm. were immediately suspicious of chagra for ordering a hit and he was facing 30 years they just had to fucking dig everything up. Cabot was back there going, I need everything or I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. The investigation was one of the most expensive in history, costing upwards of $11 million. Damn. When Harrelson was arrested, he didn't go easy. There was a six-hour stand-up with police. He was high as shit on cocaine, and during this exchange, he was confessing to assassinating John F. Kennedy, and they were like, what? And later Harrelson said, quote, at the time I said I had killed the judge, I also said I had killed Kennedy, which might give you an idea to the state of my mind at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. He also said that he made the JFK claim, quote, in an effort to elongate my life. Because he was having, I mean, he was having a six hour standoff with cops. He probably thought that he was going to get killed during this exchange, you know? yeah. Evidence that they had, over a thousand wiretapped conversations, 130 witnesses, 300 pieces of evidence and exhibits were presented in the case against Harrelson. Harrelson was then given two life sentences. His wife, Joanne, I think he was married like four times, but... Uh, His wife, Joanne, received 25 years for conspiracy and perjury. She had bought the gun for her husband using a fake name. Oh, my gosh. Jimmy Chagra was acquitted. So it all worked out for him. (laughs) Yeah. The guy who was going up for a possible 30 years. The judge is dead. His case was dead in the water. He was acquitted. Over his contract killing career, Harrelson later claimed to have killed 50 people, but who really knows because he claimed JFK. So yeah. during this time, Woody's 20 years old and in college and reached out to his father to build a relationship. Slowly mm-hmm. over time, they developed one, more of a friendship than a father-son thing, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Woody was quoted saying, my father is one of the most articulate, well-read, charming people I've ever known. Still, I'm just now gauging whether he merits my loyalty or friendship. I look at him as someone who could be a friend, more than someone who was a father, Mm -hmm. which is like a very mature way of, you know, just attempting to have some sort of relationship. Yeah. In 1995, while serving his time in Atlanta, Harrelson attempted an escape and was immediately caught and sent to a Supermax facility in Florence, Colorado. This entire time that he's been in prison, Charles Harrelson maintained his innocence, claiming he was in Dallas when the judge was killed. The reason mm. he ended up on the hook for the murder was because he was working with pro-gambler George K to con Jimmy Chagra out of the quarter million dollars by convincing him that he himself had committed the crime. Mm. And in 2003, Jimmy Chagra recanted his previous statement and said that Harrelson was not responsible for Judge Wood's death. <gasps> Woody was convinced enough to help his dad try to get a new trial. In his original trial, the whole thing weighed pretty heavily on the testimony of prisoners who were offered reduced sentences for their testimony. Everybody Mm -hmm. benefited from narking on Harrelson. Yeah. Okay. These people being Jimmy Chagra, who again, remember, was acquitted, Mm -hmm. and also his brother who was in for other things. They had a bunch of conversations, uh, audio between Jimmy and his brother. They used that in Harrelson's case against him. And then those guys on top of it to be like, oh, yeah, it was totally him, blah, 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 2003. Jimmy's like, it wasn't. So I feel like that should be illegal, like, to exchange testimony for more lenient sentences, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's motivation to lie. Right, yeah. It feels like it shouldn't be legal. I don't know. During the appeals process that Woody was helping his dad with, in 2007, Charles had a heart attack and died. Oh. He was 69 years old. He was alone in his prison cell. Hmm. Not that it matters, just put a bow on it. Chagra died the following year of cancer. But yeah, so we don't 100% know, but Harrelson was... A hired hitman. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it the only reason it pertained to this episode was because of the similarities in the way the judge was attacked, and apparently was based on that. And then I saw it was Woody Harrelson's dad, and I was like, Oh my god, Gabe's gonna shit. Yeah. Holy shit, I didn't know any of that. I know, me neither.
1: Wow, good one. Jeez. All right, dudes. Dudes and duets. Fucking take that out. Yeah. So embarrassing. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What is this? A fucking Polly Shore movie?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my beef fry and get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> okay. Next week, we got season three, episode 20, Greed. Stabler and Benson investigate two rapes that seem to have been committed by the same man, but clues that originally led them in one direction soon point to another. No way. Soon point towards another perpetrator.
0: What? Usually they're so direct, these stories. Oh my God, the stories. Okay. Hey, follow us on Instagram. You know when we talk about like sending each other photos and shit while we're recording? We post those on Instagram every week. So if you're curious as to what we're talking about, we will always post it at SVU Pod. Join our Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad, Gabe.
1: Oh my God, I love it. I have so much it. fun on there.
0: <laughs> she just turned it on. Oh my God, I love it. I have so much fun on there. It is such <laughs> I, a good time. I, I, I always want to, like,
1: post things that are related to the pod stuff, but I don't all the time. Like, I posted a picture of me being mad when Tasha didn't answer her phone last night. (laughs) (laughs) Could you believe that girl's fucking frown face? Oh, my God. Jess, I thought you ruled at doing the, like, Kristen wig angry face. She Hers went, like, down to her neck. It was crazy.
0: You know what's funny is I was reading that thread. I saw her face first, and then I was like, oh, my God, that destroys mine and then underneath you're like you got tasha (laughs) beat i was like i think i think so if anybody can out frown jess join the facebook group and challenge that bitch
1: (laughs) yeah hashtag a little bit loud find all your little indie pods if you have a little pod hashtag your shit in there so we can all find you and listen
0: yeah oh my god we had a little
1: merch meeting Oh, oh yeah
0: we have new stuff coming out really soon really soon really soon we're excited
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Give us a five star or two. I mean, I don't know.
0: Give us a five star or two or ten or tell your mom to give us a five star. (laughs) Right? That's a nice review. I don't know. Engage. We love any kind of engagement. We love it. We love you guys. And join our Patreon,
1: too. We have different (gasps) tiers, all kinds of fun stuff, merch deals. Yeah. Thanks
0: for listening, guys. (laughs) Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I was just... Gabe jumps in and goes, birds? I'm always watching for birds. <laughs> Bird, the yeah. guy. Tommy. Do you need a minute or do you just want to plow through this? Let's just plow through it, huh? Okay. Or do you want to need- Let's just you- plow through it. That was my nickname. <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hold on. Let me get some more coffee, though. Hold on. My wife is dead.
1: And to our elite squad patrons Haley K Sonia W Jenny S Sky K Nikki B Marissa
0: M H, Sarah A Annie J Mary D Andrew Rebecca D Miranda BBB B, B, Shelby W Lex Emily T
1: Kayla W Mallory G Eliza W Bonita R Marin, Vanessa Amy P Jess M Sama M Melanie G Courtney W Ursula S Emily A Katrina C Kate H <laughs> Uyanga Nicole R Julia P Sapphire and Kayla
0: Oh thank you Thanks <laughs>
1: We love and appreciate you guys. You're making it possible for us to do this. Fucking think you guys are cool.
0: Also, can we find a more embarrassing way to say people's names?
1: Yeah, probably. I'll try (laughs) next time. Find something a little more embarrassing. Yeah. We could do um,
0: Urkel. We haven't earned it unless we feel shame. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.